This is the FLW Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Opager. Now here's my good friend and co-host, Mr. Jody White. Joe, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, it's been a week. Um, I'm sorry, I'm still getting over your new <laughs> intro. You you built it up to me, and I can't stop smiling now. Heck yeah. I don't even know what the difference is, but... We got I, rid of the recorded live. I knew Rich was still thinking about it. So that's the only thing we changed? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, what did you think? Did it sound good? Yeah, I thought it sounded great. Sweet. I, just like I thought it sounded just as good as all the others. Really. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not too picky about the intro. I doubt anybody even honest. noticed. <laughs> Besides Rich, obviously. But, anyways, episode 26. We're halfway through a year. Six months of episodes. Yeah, we did skip a few days in there. Yeah, yeah. To lengthen it out. But yeah, we've uh, done good work so far. So far, so good. Kind of stoked to get to get to 50. 50 yeah all right that's the next milestone i think sure 50 nice round number better than 26 in my yeah. opinion i agree uh anyhow so that's our banter we're going <laughs> to talk a little about the new circuit breaker episode two came came out uh lake hartwell i thought i loved it i thought it was a lot better than the first one i agree i i liked the uh showing off the the personal side of the guys and not just the goofy side because obviously, just showing off the goofy side didn't make them out to be the characters that we know that they are. It just showed off, you know, kind of the negative aspects of it. So this showed off a little more of the the positive aspects and the behind the scenes. And I don't know, I liked it. I liked it a lot more. And it had a little more fishing in it too. Yeah, I'm all about. Yeah, that ion footage was fantastic. Like I'm not even just trying to promote ion, which it is a great product, however, but. I, th- I thought the video, like it, the way they worked, the way that Travis worked it into the series was cool, and it looked great. Yeah, I think uh, they had really good lighting probably at Hartwell, too. You know, wasn't too bright, wasn't too dark. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> it, it worked out It worked out good. I liked it. Um, and I liked getting to see... I like that because you can kind of get a little bit of a tease sometimes as to what TV show is going to be like, and you got mm-hmm. to... You know, I don't know if that was the first time we got to see that particular fish catch of Casey Ashley's. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of showing you how the show might shape out. And he was, th- it's cool to get to watch the leader fish a little bit too. I thought it was pretty awesome when they were using the Chris Jones soundboard app. I mean, that came from the podcast, dude. And now here it is on Circuit Breaker. So that was yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, anyhow, do you want to, uh, shall we tell people who our interview this week is and then go over to that? All right, big debut. Who is it, Jody? All right, so we've got Michael Neal. He's amazing. He was amazing. We already talked to him. Uh, Yeah, he was a great interview. Great interview. And honestly, you might want to take notes because he dropped some really good knowledge about ledge fishing, or at least I thought. Jody picks his brain a little bit. Yeah, so I was very happy to do that. Anyhow, here's the interview. And now we're joined by Michael Neal. He just finished in third place in the Rayovac on Gunnersville. He's currently... 21st in AOI standings. He top 20 in AOI last year on the FLW Tour. He's had a phenomenal start to his career. Michael, how have you been? I've been doing pretty good. Uh, 
as long as I could just get through with uh, get through with college here. Finally, I'm fixing to graduate in the next couple of weeks and finally get that off my chest. Nice. That was one of the questions that I had uh, written down for you. You're a computer science major. Is that correct, Michael? That's it. I don't know what uh, how I'm going to tie it in with fishing, but I'm going to have it as a backup plan. There you go. Very cool. And this is your senior year, so you're right in the nitty-gritty almost done, correct? Yeah, I've got finals. I've got one final and a few papers standing between me and the end, but just trying to get that done. That way I can focus completely on fishing and not have to worry about school anymore. Wow. So how do you manage everything? I mean, full-time college student, uh, you know, you're fishing the FLW Tour, you're fishing the Rayovac series, and I believe you're also running the uh, Dayton Boat Dock and Marina, correct? Yeah, that's right. It's it's not easy, I can tell you that. There's not much time for anything else. It's just certain times you have to devote all your attention to one thing and kind of neglect the others. I'm hoping once I get to school done, I'm focused just more on the store, store and just fishing and hopefully see the fishing aspect of it increase as far as better finishes. And that way I can put more time into research and going pre-fishing more places, things like that, because I've missed six weeks of school this year just for traveling, fishing the tour, and the ray of ice and things. So um, wow. that was all. There was no pre-fishing done. It was all just going just for the fishing practice period. Wow, that's pretty incredible. That's crazy to think about. And you still pulled off a whole bunch of really good finishes. That's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've been fortunate these past two years. Uh, they're pretty good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this year, both TVA lakes. Uh, that's where I live, on Chickamauga. Of course, it's a TVA lake. And from what I've heard, I've never been to Pickwick. been to Kentucky several times, but I'm sure they're both on fish just like here. All right, good deal. Um. I want to take a quick step back and talk about Gunnersville. You had a great finish there. I mean, you finished behind a local and Mark Rose, and that's nothing to sneeze at. And I was hoping you could sort of talk us through your pattern and how you went about finding your fish and, of course, how you did in the tournament. Yeah, the fish I found were really a little bit too shallow to be found with the grass. Um, I looked at a lot of stuff during practice, trying to find some places that they were grouped up on that I could see them on the electronics. But for me... It just didn't happen, so uh, I went and just fished some shallower drops, six to eight feet deep, uh, just casting, look at little points and little oddball places on it, uh, the mouths of little ditches and things like that, and I was luckily, luckily I found one place in a pretty major creek down there that uh, had several fish on it. It had four or five schools on it. You have to move 100 yards or so, and you get in a little flurry and catch four or five. And just once they quit biting, it was done. There's no sense in sitting there anymore. I don't know if they just moved up and down the drop or if there's just certain little sweet spots. But really, through all three days, I never caught my fish in the same spot. They were all down the same drop, but they weren't on the same exact little point or whatever you want to call it. So it was it was different from what I'm used to, but I was still off the bank enough to be in my comfort zone. All right. What, um... How were you catching those fish? Did you have to change up on them every day, or were you able to throw the same thing? I, I caught them all on the same thing. Uh, the first, the second day, we had some pretty strong winds. Uh, it was a little harder then, but I was throwing a 5 8 ounce pulse head, which is basically like a scrounger-type head, and I had a 4.5-inch Lunker Hunt swim bento on it. I changed to a sassy shad color, which is kind of a sexy shad. The wind kind of stirred up the water and made it a little dingier, gave them something they could see. 
instead of using a straight tail, I opted for that paddle tail to give them a little more kick too. All right, that's really cool. That's that's a neat little uh, neat little twist on a swim bait. Yeah, most people on a scrounger throw a straight tail. Um, it's it's just different. It's something they hadn't seen. Everybody knows gunners will fish get a ton of pressure. So anything different that you can give the fish to look at, you're always going to get a few more bites. Michael, that Gunnersville Railvac is always one of the more popular Railvac events of the year, and uh, obviously a lot of people are looking at it just because it's on Gunnersville. Uh, when did you realize that you were on the right fish where you would have a strong finish in this event? It was actually the first day of practice. I went down there on the Saturday before um, and found that place, and I tried to fish probably 75 other places like it throughout the practice period, and I never could get on another place uh, that had any fish on it. So I just put all my eggs in that one basket. Uh, the first morning by 9.30, I had the 25 pounds I weighed. Uh, the second day, I, I dropped down to 21, but I lost three good fish that would have put me up there somewhere 25, 26 pounds and I would have been in contention to win it there. Very cool. All right, good deal. When you when you went down and practiced, did you go down and say, I'm just going to fish offshore or a little bit deeper? You're not going to deal with the real shallow bite at all? Because some guys caught a lot of fish up shallow. Yeah, I, I told myself I was going to go just fish offshore. That's what my strength is. Uh, I didn't necessarily follow through with it totally i went up and looked for some sight fish and things like that i had a few good fish found but um during the tournament i went to them and they were gone i don't know if they got caught or whatever but i knew the offshore bite was going to have more fish coming to it every day so i knew i would have wherever i caught them it would be reloading as long as i had a good place found as long as it wasn't just pre-spawners there were still some fish going to the bank to spawn when we were leaving so I caught some pre-spawn, but mostly post-spawn off my place, which, and that's what I called it in practice, too, is that told me I was in the right area. Very cool. All right, so let's break it down and look ahead uh, to the rest of the FLW tour season. As you mentioned, you know, Pickwick and Kentucky Lake, both TVA fisheries. Um, do, you, do you have, like you mentioned, that you haven't been to Pickwick. You must have been to Kentucky then. How have you done there in the past? Which of those two events are you more looking forward to? And then, say you uh, do well in those two events and you make the Forestwood Cup at Lake Murray, how does Lake Murray break down for you? Have you ever seen the lake before? How does it match up stylistically for you? Talk about that a little bit for us. Yeah, I've never been to Murray. I've never fished a herring lake in the summertime. So that would if when, if I make the cup, that's going to be something different where I'm going to have to put in some time and go over there like I did at the Red River last year. I spent two weeks before it went off limits just trying to learn my way around and figure out how to catch fish all over again. Uh, so if I make the cup, that's that's definitely what I'm going to have to do and trying to get an advantage. But as far as which one I'm looking forward to the most would probably be Kentucky. Uh, the first year I fished the tour, I had a really awful finish there. I wound up burning 50-something gallons of gas in one day. <laughs> so as you can imagine, that didn't leave me much time to fish. I kind of lost my cool and ran around way too much and didn't catch me fish. So I'm looking for some redemption on that one. I've been there several times in the summertime, and it fishes identical to Chickamauga. So I, I know I can go over there and catch them. It's just a matter of settling down and keeping my cool this time. 
What are the differences between the two lakes? I mean, Pickwick and Kentucky, both of them, you know, we've been told are going to be deep ledge fishing events. But a lot of guys have talked about, you know, how different lakes that they are. What are some of the things that makes them so different? Something, um, somebody told me that is from here on Chickamauga. They said Pickwick fishes the most like Chickamauga of any other lake. So to me, Kentucky has a lot of shallow water and things like that, and you don't necessarily find huge, massive schools. But everything okay. I've heard about Pickwick is if you have a depth finder and you run across one of the schools of fish, there's no way you're going to miss them. It just lights up your depth finder totally. Um, that There's just so many fish in that lake that they all go to the same places, and it's all pretty much obvious, too. So everybody told me that it's going to fish pretty small. Whereas Kentucky, you have miles and miles and miles of ledges to fish. So it spreads everybody out a lot more, and one person could be more consistent. But as far as the difference, I mean, any TVA lake, you can go catch fish deep. I think the majority of fish on the Tennessee River are offshore-minded fish. They would rather be somewhere off the bank where it's harder to catch them. Not, they don't get fished for quite as much. And that's where they want to be. It's just a matter of getting out there and finding them. All right, good deal. You're a pretty accomplished ledge fisherman. It's definitely, like you said, it's your comfort zone. How would, What advice would you give to somebody who is just starting out ledge fishing? Let's say they're good at other kinds of fishing. They can, you know, they're pretty competent, so it's not, well, you need to learn how to cast. But what would you say to someone who's just learned how to ledge fish? It's it's just a matter of getting good with electronics and figuring out how to line up on the fish. Anybody can give you 100 waypoints, and if you can't go out there and line up on them right, that you're not going to catch them. I mean, 10 feet makes such a difference in a school of fish. It's unbelievable. It can make the difference from catching 50 or catching none. So it's really just a matter of being able to use your electronics and utilizing them to be able to line up on the schools of fish. And then, of course, I mean, the mapping is so important to find on find schools on your own. You just got to look at, I mean, anything can hold a fish out offshore. Like where I was fishing at Gunnersville, it wasn't but a foot and a half drop. Most people think that you have to have something that drops off considerably 5, 10, 15 feet or so. But some of the better places are the more subtle ones that don't get hit there as hard. So if I was starting out, I would look for the more obvious stuff, uh, points, humps, channel swings, ditch mouths, uh, any kind of thing like that, and try and find some fish and get comfortable with it first. All right. Will you ever fish an offshore place if you go over it and don't mark fish on your graphs? Very rarely. Um, on a lake that I am not completely familiar with. Uh, on Chickamauga, there's maybe one or two places that I would if I could see a fish. But somewhere like Kentucky or Pickwick or somewhere where I don't live, I'm never going to make a cast somewhere I don't see a fish. All right. That's good. That's definitely good advice uh, for, for anybody. I mean, you can fish forever and ever and ever and never catch anything. Um, just... It's basically just what I did at Gunnersville to find fish. I, I looked and looked and looked out and couldn't find anything, so I just had to resort back to shallow and uh, or shallower and just cast around to find them. But it's like a lot of people at Wheeler, Wheeler fishes a lot like Gunnersville. I mean, they're 
back to back on the chain. It's a lot shallower, so a lot of the schools you can't necessarily see on your graph. Now, places like that, you might have to just cast to find fish. But as far as if if I thought that there was a school of fish somewhere and they were deep enough to graph and I didn't see them, there's no way I'm going to fish it. All right. As far as, like, deep enough to graph, what's your what's the magic depth for you? To me, I call it about 10 feet. Once it gets any less than 10 feet, I think the fish get kind of spooky when you idle over them. Um, some people like to graph anywhere up to about 6 feet. Uh, I'm just not comfortable with it. But if I if I can see some fish 10 feet or deeper, I know what I'm looking at is fish, and I know it's not a brush pile or something along those lines. So I got that's where my comfort zone is. All right. Good deal. I'm going to switch things up a little bit on you. I want to hear about uh, life on tour and how exactly uh, you make things work. When you're going to these tour events, uh, where are you staying? Who do you travel with? Uh, what are your travel plans like, and what's life behind the scenes like? Me and Andy Morgan and Wesley Strader, we all live here within 20 minutes of each other. Um, most of the time, we all head out at the same time, but when we get there, all three of us go different directions. <laughs> uh, most of the time, I stay in a hotel. Um, there's been... Uh, at Rayburn, I stayed in a cabin. Beaver, I stayed in a cabin. But up till this point, I've never been to these places enough to know where cabins or houses or anything like that was, so I had to resort to a hotel. Okay, and then how about practice? Do you practice with anybody or share information with any of those hometown guys, or is it you're on your own? It's pretty much on my own. Um, I'll talk to a few people. But, I mean, we're all fishermen. We're all going to lie a little bit, stretch the truth <laughs> here and there. Uh, so it's it's pretty much you don't really ask a whole lot of questions and you don't get a whole lot of answers. But my dad goes with me everywhere I go and practices with me, and that's some really good time between me and him that we get to spend. Nice. That's got to be awesome, getting to fish with your dad. Yeah, it is. Uh, he's He's been my number one supporter. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing, so. I'm real fortunate and real thankful for that. That kind of is a nice segue into one of my next questions that I had. Talk about your upbringing as a fisherman. You know, when did you start out first fishing? When were you first fishing tournaments? I would imagine that your father was a big part of that. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, he was. Um, I first My first memories of fishing were when I was probably three or four. Uh, I remember every time I'd go, I'd wind up throwing my pole in the water, so we'd have to go buy me another push-button rod every time we went, which got kind of expensive. But they stuck with me. Um, I first started fishing tournaments about uh, when I was 12 or 13, about 10 years ago. And I started fishing some smaller, like, dogfight tournaments, three-, four-hour tournaments on the weekdays with my dad. Um, we caught tons of fish then, and I started fishing some, uh, it's called Chattanooga Bass Association. It's the biggest tournament trail on Chickamauga. It's a monthly deal. And I started fishing with my uncle, who's Roger Brown. You probably heard his name a time or two. Definitely. 40-pound bag this year. I finally know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, say that again <laughs> yeah, for us. Really Rod- Rodney Brown? G-N-E, but he goes by Roger. Okay. All right. That's good to know. <laughs> That's critical he started, information. He got me for... into the fishing the bigger tournaments, the bigger team tournaments. And while I was 16, I started fishing some of the um, uh, weekend series tournaments. And then when I was 17 or 18, I started fishing the BFLs um, and then went up to the tour from there. 
So I noticed when looking at your stats that you know you were fishing the FLW Tour as a co-angler at when you were 16 years old and 17. Um, now, don't take this the wrong way, but you didn't have a whole lot of a success in those first two years as a co-angler. What gave you the confidence or how did you know that you wanted to move to the front of the boat and that you were even ready to? Yeah, at that time, I was fishing like the weekend series in the BFLs as a boater. Uh, I was holding in them, but fishing as a co-angler, you're right, I had very little success, but I would not trade those two years fishing as a co-angler for anything. I learned more in those two years than I've learned the rest of my fishing career combined. Wow. It's it's hard to explain. I mean, anytime you get in the boat with somebody, it don't matter if they're the number one fisherman in the world or somebody fishing out with the canoe, you're going to learn something. But fishing with the best guys in the business, that taught me a whole lot. Very cool. All right. that's You know, you hear that a lot, especially from guys who have had a lot of success as a co-angler. It's good to hear that from someone who didn't have so much success as a co-angler. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of got me down um, as far as doubting my abilities and things. If I wasn't fishing the BFLs and the weekend series, holding my own, um, that could have been kind of the detriment to my career. But I went on and quit fishing the tour and started focusing more on the BFLs and things. Last year I fished the BFLs before I moved to the tour, I won three. So that that was what really sparked in my mind that I could get up and compete in the tour level. Uh, one question I like to ask everybody, and I'm guessing I know your answer for this one, but if you could have the Forestwood Cup next year, anywhere, anytime, what lake would you put it on? Uh, that, I mean, of course, I want to say Chickamauga, um, <laughs> but that, I feel like that's too generic of an answer. I would probably go <laughs> with uh, my second favorite lake, Champlain in June. I've been up there one time, and it was absolutely phenomenal, Phenomenal, and I cannot wait to go back. I think that would be amazing, and not having but 40 boats on it, that would be, everybody would be so spread out. It's such a good lake and a big lake that nobody would hardly ever see each other. And I, I think we would see some pretty good weights in that. That is a phenomenal answer. Yeah, well done. That's Jody's <laughs> home lake, so he's just beaming over here right now. It's my favorite lake in the world, too. <laughs> Although I gotta go to I gotta go to the Tennessee River and fish Chickamauga and Gunnersville and get my mind changed. Yeah, it's it's a lot different fishing. I mean, when I went up there to Champlain, I fished the grass. It fished a lot like Gunnersville. So I mean, there's some similarities, but it's it's still not TVA like. <laughs> That's for sure. Joe, do you have anything else you're particularly curious about? Um, not really. I think that's pretty much all I had. We've picked his brain quite a bit about all his life behind the scenes. That's what I wanted to find out about. So, All right. Well, I got my ledge fishing questions in, so I think I'm good to go. <laughs> Michael, best of luck for the rest of the season. Thanks uh, for coming on today. Where can uh, FLW Podcast fans find out more about you? Or I'm assuming you're on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I've got a personal page as well as uh, the business type page. Um, you can check me out at it or at my store page. It's Dayton Boat Dock and Grill. Um, just get on there and send me a message. We'll have a good conversation. All right. Good deal, man. Congrats on the great year so far, and best of luck in the next two tournaments. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. 
All right. Thanks, Thank Michael. You. So, Joe, what did you think of that interview? I know you said it was great right before. Still think it was great? I still think it was great. Fantastic. Anything <laughs> in particular stick out? Uh, I love the uh, just his, what do you say, advice for co-anglers, I guess, you know, talking about those yeah. first two years on tour as a co-angler, not having much success at all, but not letting that get him down and hinder him from his goals. I thought that was a great story and cool to hear how he persevered through that. Yeah, he's definitely taken a pretty unique path to fishing success. And at this point, I'm totally ready to say he has achieved fishing success. I mean, it looks like he's going to make the Forestwood Cup two years in a row mm-hmm. right here. He's, you know, he top 10 in the Forestwood Cup last year. I think he had, what, two top 10s. He just had another top 10 at Gunnersville. Like, I think he's I think he's pretty darn close to saying he's got fishing success. So, And the fact that he's doing this with the schedule that he has, I mean, like you said, full-time college student with a computer science degree. It's not like he's just doing a, like, I don't know, an easy major. I, I was once a computer science major myself and got out of there after about a semester and a half. I was like, no way, this is way over my head. So the fact that he's graduating with a computer science degree is impressive. He's running his own business in Marina at the Dayton Boat Dock. I mean, when the FLW Tour was in town last last year at Chickamauga, that's where we went out of. This isn't like some small marina. This was a nice place. And from what I hear and what I read, it's doing much better since he took it over. So that's impressive. And then, of course, his success on the water is has been very impressive lately. So the fact that all three of these things he's got going in the air and he's doing great at all of them, and he's only 22, 23 years old, is really impressive. Yeah, I was I was really happy to learn a little more about him because he's you know always been intriguing. I've always thought he was a nice you know a nice guy, but I never really had the knowledge I had about him until this podcast. We got to talk to him about that a little bit more. So what if he was fishing in the college fishing circuit? I mean, he could be like he'd be tearing it up. Yeah, he'd probably be doing almost as well as Shane LeHue did. Yeah, but probably not quite as good because <laughs> Shane LeHue did pretty dang good. <laughs> Gonna be honest. <laughs> Um, anyhow, shall we uh, move on to some tournament topics? And Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first, yeah, just thanks again to Michael for coming on. Great interview. And uh, check him out. If you're not following him already, find him on Facebook. Yeah. Um, okay, anyhow, tournament news. Tournaments. Let's get into it. Well, we had uh, we had a Rayback on Gunnersville. Yes. And that man, was a that fun was, one. Yeah, that was fun. We got to see some huge fish. I... I always 30 pounds on the final day like yeah what'd you catch 30 15 i think something like that 30 and change yeah and there were a lot of i mean that was the only bag over 30 but there were a lot mm-hmm. of 29 28 sure. pound bags I, I say a lot there were probably it seemed like there were you know two or three every day that were over 27 that were just giant mm-hmm. bags of fish which is really cool to see that like amazes me every time out so, Joe, we had, besides the tournament, we had a Rayback Rumble. Did we even mention the winner of the tournament, by the way, though? Jonathan Henry was the name of the winner of that event. I feel like yeah. we, we talked about his 30-pound well, bag and everything, but... Well, I was I was going to talk about the Rumble, then talk about him. But, yeah, he caught 77 pounds, 8 ounces, and he caught his 30-pound bag off a spot on a bridge on the last day. Which I heard that he was saving. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Like, he was saving it. A little bit, but I think it was more that he didn't 
he didn't get a chance to go to it earlier because he was trying to fish spots while he was alone. And it was one of those situations where there's a lot of boat pressure on the lake, a lot of people fishing. A lot of times places weren't vacant. So he would just go to places that were vacant. Sure. See, I didn't get to talk to him like you did. I But from the Bass Fan article, I kind of understood it as he was saying he was he had a great spot that he was saving for the final day but because he didn't want to fish it and have people see that he was fishing there. And so I, I don't know, I guess, if that even exists on Gunnersville. Obviously, I feel like, you know, everybody knows almost everything down there, but I could be wrong, but... Apparently, that was what I kind of got from the Bass Fan article. That's not ringing a bell at all to you? That's not really what I got from him, but, okay. you know, that could be what he... That could have been his plan. Sure. For sure. It just... Maybe that's not the way he said it to me. Okay. So. Anyways, congratulations, Jonathan Henry. Railvac Rumble results. I won. Well done, Joe. All right. Recap real quick for you. I had uh, Alex Davis, Scott Canterbury, and Casey Martin... Davis finished 24th, 13th for Canterbury, and 48th for Casey Martin, giving me a score of 28.3. Jody had Justin Lucas, who finished 23rd, Brian Thrift, who finished 4th, and Keystone Light Pro Chad Grigsby, who finished 84th. Now, I get bonus points for a top 10, correct? Not correct. There are no bonus points. (laughs) Well, dang it. I shouldn't have picked Thrift then if I'd known he wasn't... (laughs) If I didn't get bonus points for the top 10 I had him slotted in for. Tough tournament for Grigsby. And, yeah, he uh, totally, ended up totally blew my team up. Although it was a pretty close. Your final score was 37. So I'm 28.3, well, 237. Neither of us did very well is the thing. Usually usually they're you know that close or even further apart as far as who won. But... You know, the winner has finished has like an average of like 15 or something like that, or 20 as opposed to 28. Is what you had? Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, that's better than I did, but still, I'm, we didn't we didn't really prognosticate that tournament particularly well. I'm a little nervous about this uh, upcoming Railvac this next weekend on the James River. <laughs> we'll get to our picks here in uh, just a little bit for that one, but I'm I'm a little worried about that one. That one could be uh, even worse. Than... Yeah, it's gonna be a doozy because there's not a whole lot of tour guys fishing in that. Fishing right, in that. a lot of uh, so, unfamiliar names, which is cool. Yeah, and we don't go there very often. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was the Potomac, it'd be a whole different deal. Right, a lot of we could history say, there, and a lot yeah, of we've past got a ton of history we there. We go at. there every year, just about. Sure. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But either way, I am now up four three in the Railback Rumble. All right, that's good. I got you right where I want you. I want <laughs> you to have a nice lead so I can run off a streak, tie it up again. Let me just see uh, keep doing so, that. California Delta is the, the uh, next one after after the James, right? That is correct. Let me count in here. How many do we have left? 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 14, 15 total Railback events. So that means we're through seven, seven of them. So we got eight, eight left. to go. That means the first two eight wins, meaning I've only got four more events to go. If I win the next four, it's over. Well, it's over, but I'll still beat you. You'll still beat me. Oh, in the boat competition. Oh, on the in the on the water you, portion. You of saw this. my tweets taunting oh, me last yeah, night. Yeah, I was at the uh, local unclaimed freight up in Malacca, the store with uh, all the goodies, and I saw a huge pile of them. I almost bought one just so we were prepared. Figured I'd go back and get it later, but sent Jody a, a Twitter picture taunting him, saying, uh, "Here's your pole, buddy. Look out." 
Well, that's fine as long as I can put whatever I want on it. Because you know what? <laughs> You're going down. <laughs> I Anyhow. look forward to it. Anyhow, anything else you want to wrap up about the uh, Gunnersville Railback? Not really. I thought we got a really good picture of what was going on talking to Michael. So I feel like we could go ahead and talk about the college didn't fishing. You, uh, hang on real quick. Didn't you mention Brian New was doing oh, real yeah. well there? He's finished third in two Rayovac Southeastern series in a row. As a co-angler? As a co-angler. He also oh. finished third on Santee. All right. So I just thought that was interesting. There you go. So like, he's oh, got to be on to top of the uh, co-angler of the year standings, I'm, I'm assuming. I would guess he is, although I... Honestly, have not looked at those standings. You also had written down here, Thrift and Rose are on fire. Did they you? are. Yeah. Um, they, <laughs> did I'm did just... you want to expand on that at all? I mean, obviously, you know, Rose finished second. Where did Thrift finish? Fourth. Fourth? Okay. Or third? No, he no. finished fourth. Michael Neal finished Neil third. Neal finished third. Um, yeah, no, I just, I just kind of wrote stuff down that I was like, oh, this is ah, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they're... Those two are both on fire. They've sure. done really well in like four events, five events in a row now. Rose has got to be having one of, if not the best season of his career so far. And that's before we even get to his uh, ledge events coming up. So Yeah, and I mean, obviously not the same for Thrift. He's, you know, won the AOI. Mm-hmm. He's had some amazing seasons, but he's still having a really good year. He's kind of started out slow. Which, yeah. is But he's caught fire now. Yeah, the first, after the first two events, we were saying, you know, Jesus, Thrift's going to make the cup. Are we even on? having this conversation? <laughs> but Yeah, of course he's going to make the cup. Come on. <laughs> he is Brian Thrift. Okay, there yeah. was a uh, college event this weekend as well, right? Yeah, on Carlisle in one of those I states. Illinois, right? Yes. Cool. I got it right that time. Um, anyhow, Murray State won. Uh, Cody Santel and Justin Berger, they caught 13 pounds, 10 ounces. And they only got, well, they had one non-keeper bite. But other than that, they had five bites all day. Wow. So the they right caught five. The, the right five. They didn't lose any. Uh, it worked out. How were they catching them? Uh, they caught some on a crankbait, and they caught some on, I think, dragging a tube through some uh, sort of deep laydowns and stuff. They were fishing for pre-spawn fish. All right. Congratulations to Murray State. For sure. And the Central Conference Invitational which I got all those parts right, which is a big thing for me. Their invitation was on Kentucky Lake, Murray State, the racers, right on Kentucky Lake. Sure. They've already got two teams qualified. I don't remember the names of the other two guys, but they've got two teams in already, so they could be a team to watch out for at the regional. Definitely. At the invitational. Early favorites to qualify for that national championship. For sure. Um, do you want to talk about our FLW Tour Top 35 segment? Uh, yeah, we might as well. Up. Last week, of course, we talked about we were going to do our homework a little bit and uh, bring some guys that are currently not in the top 35, but that we expect to, by the end of the season, to be in that top 35 and get to fish in the Forestwood Cup. Jody, you want to go first? What's, what's a sure. name or two that you have? Well, so one thing, I want to sort of throw a disclaimer out, because I started looking at this, and if you look at 36... Through 40th. It's Terry Bolton, Greg Hackney, Larry Nixon, Troy Morrow, and Dan Moorhead. I think all five of those guys are going to make the top 35. Now, Jody, only 35 guys get to make it. I know, but I have a hard time seeing Larry Nixon and Greg Hackney not make the top 35. And Troy Morrow, he's really good. 
whether these two events necessarily set up for him, I don't know. But I included him in there because it would make it not as good if I was like, but not Troy Morrow. <laughs> um, and Terry Bolton and Dan Moorhead are both Kentucky Lake sticks. They can catch sure. fish on the Tennessee River. I don't think they're going to miss. Does that... I, is that, I, does that sound, is that crazy to you? Uh, no, I I agree with you. However, of those five names that you just mentioned, I had a list of six guys written down. Two of those names were on there. So, I mean, there are no so You're just mad I took those names off the board mm, already. Not necessarily. <laughs> I was going to mention that disclaimer as well. Like, okay, these guys are down. But, of course, Larry Nixon and Dan Moorhead were who I had written down. I mean, Larry's in 38th. Moorhead's in 40th. Uh, A, it's Larry Nixon. He's he's going to make the Forestwood Cup. He does every year. Dan Moorhead, like you said, Kentucky Lake Stick. It's his home lake. Uh, it's just setting up for him. He he will make the cup as well. But. Yeah, or well, he will make the cup as for sure as we can say anybody will make the cup. Right, he hasn't right. already somehow clinched clinched it. So yeah, I I know I agree with you on those. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with my next guy, just a little further down the list. In 44th place, Anthony Gagliardi. He's doing it. I agree. After, I think he's doing it. I think he's getting in. After the uh, unfortunate DQ at Lake Okeechobee and zeroing, getting zero AOI points, you know, when we I talked to him before Hartwell and we agreed that he... didn't that think he, he could do it. He, no, he didn't. And he was, I don't know, I'm not upset, but... I feel like he was a little disgruntled that I even asked the question, like, oh, really, you're putting me on the spot? But, I mean, I was, I've been on his bandwagon from before. I was saying, he can do it. It's been done before. He's like, doing it. I, I, I agree. Some of the names that he's ahead of already after just, you know, these four events are great. Had he not had that DQ at Okeechobee and had a mediocre finish, he would be up there. He'd be there. in, like, the top 20 for sure. Oh, absolutely. Easy. He would, I would say in top five. Oh, well, I guess it would depend on what his finish his, his at Okeechobee. Thir- 13th, 7th, and 30th are what his finishes have been after Okeechobee. So, I mean, if he had a top 30 finish at Okeechobee, he would be up there. Yeah, definitely. He's like 200 points. He's he's uh, he's more than 100 points out of the top 10, though. So, yeah, a top 30 would have done it. Um, it would it would have obviously depended, though. Wow. Yeah. Either way, very It's been impressive. an amazing season for him. Gosh, so I hope he makes it. What a great story that would be on his home lake. I agree 100%. Do you want me to? We're in the, we're in the 40s. Do you want me to? Yeah, give go my ahead. Next throw, guy? throw a name out. All righty. I've got Keith Amerson. He's sitting in 42. Okay. If you look at his BFL record on Kentucky Lake, you can catch him on Kentucky Lake. I think, uh, I think he's going to translate some of that to Pickwick. I think he'll do fine there. I think he'll punch his ticket at Kentucky Lake. So right. I think he's getting in. I think that's a that's a fair pick. Do you uh, have any other guys in the forties? Uh, let me see here and scroll down. No, there was nobody else in the no. forty in the forties that I wrote down and said, "Oh, these are the guys I want to talk about." There's other guys in the forties who I wouldn't be surprised if they got sure, in, but sure. not necessarily. Oh, this is the guy I want to talk about i'm betting uh 51st place jt kenny will yep. make the forest he, he's on my list to talk about yeah uh obviously he hasn't had the greatest season so far but he is a very good ledge fisherman he considers that one of his strengths he's been working that on that a lot over the last few years he's made like the last 
I don't know, seven or eight Forest Wood Cups in a row. I should probably check that. I'm just throwing numbers out. I'm, I just made that up. I'm assuming. It doesn't matter. I think he's getting in, too. I, yeah. he's, he's a good enough fisherman, and these two lakes set up really well for him. So, no, I, I agree 100% on that. Okay. Who's your next guy? I guess my next guy, if I'm scrolling down and looking at this, I actually dropped down to to the 60s. Sure. Um, I did and, as well. And Luke Clausen. He's on my list. Because Luke Clausen doesn't miss the Forestwood Cup. No. He's too good to do that. And I just, I have a hard time constructing, you know, a, a picture in my mind of him not fishing the Forestwood Cup. So I think he's going to make it by hook or by crook. I agree. I had him on my list. The last guy I had on my list, which we're getting down there. I mean, uh, Dave Lefebvre is currently in 83rd place. I don't expect him to make the cup. That's not what I'm saying. He's not my pick. But he had said, like, after that Beaver Lake event, he's done. Like, he's not going to make the cup. He can't do it. I, I think, like, even if, you know, he would have to win the next two events, something ridiculously tough like that. Basically, he was saying he's done. So I, I didn't even look at anything past 80. was like, well, if Lefebvre is done, they're done as well. Yeah. So I went down in the 70s. The last guy on my list is Randy Haynes at 70th. I, I mentioned him oh, uh, last oh, week. I like it. Uh, obviously, same thing as uh, you know Mark Rose all year. Haynes hasn't had a great season, but we're going into his wheelhouse. He's the man on Pickwick. I'm assuming uh, he'll be pretty good on Kentucky Lake. I could see hit two strong finishes moving him up, and I think he's going to be near that bubble, kind of like Casey Martin was last year, where he's going to have to do real well at Kentucky Lake to make it, but I could definitely see him doing it. Yeah, so the thing is, when you get into this into this range, into that um, you know, into the seventies, there's kind of a pretty steep drop from seventy two down. Um, Randy Haynes, right at seventy, has five hundred and four points. Barton Aiken, seventy two, has four ninety one. Like that's a that's ten places. Like that's a pretty good chunk. So I would I would agree. I think Randy Haynes is probably the last guy who's got a really legitimate chance to make it. Um, well, now last week you had said one guy that's going to be on my list, Jay Ellis. Yeah, and I put him on my list, and now I'm just looking at that little points differential there, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, Jay Ellis would probably have to top 10 these next two events to get in. Mm-hmm. Didn't he, he say could top he, 10 these next two events. Didn't he say that he thinks he's going to? Or not that he was going to top 10. But he still thinks he's got a pretty good shot at the cup? I don't know. I never asked him. I remember hearing or reading that somewhere. I mean, I do think that he, of anybody down in this in this sort of 400 and high 400, low 500 points range, I think he and Randy Haynes are one of the guys who have the chance to do that. Because mm-hmm. I, th- I, I still believe that there's going to be some shallow fish to be caught, or there could on Pickwick. And, you know... Uh, Yellis has had a lot of success, actually, going into Barkley on Kentucky Lake. I know it's a long run this time because we're starting down in Paris, but I think uh, I think he could do well at these next two events. I don't think it's out of the question. We shall see. Definitely not out of the question. Yeah, one more guy I wanted to mention before we uh, get through here is um, Todd Hollowell and Michael Woolley. They're both right below Luke Clausen. But they both have a bunch of experience on mm-hmm. Kentucky Lake, um, and they both have some experience on Pickwick, and I think they could be 
they might be, they might end up like 40th, you know, but I think they could take a big jump. Sure. They'll be up there. All right. Well, let's move on then. Let's get into some of the BFLs that went down last weekend. All right. Let me flip my page here. All right. BFLs out the wazoo. Yeah, we well... F- we had five of them, We right? had five, which isn't really a crazy number, because I think we've got a couple... I don't know if we've had any that there have been six yet, but I do think we have some weekends where there are six BFLs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll start off here with the Music City BFL on Center Hill. Adam Wagner won it. He caught 18 pounds, 7 ounces. Uh, it's his ninth BFL win, and he's now up over $300,000. Wow. Now, he did win one of those nine wins is the All-American. Okay. Which is a big chunk of that $300,000. Sure. Still, he has had a stellar BFL career. And he caught his fish uh, all off beds or around beds. He caught a couple largemouth, and he caught some smallmouth on sort of these very specific bedding spots that he knew in the lake. And he actually explained in a really interesting manner how he was catching those smallmouth, and you're going to hear that right now. The uh, Carolina Rig, I was using a watermelon uh, lizard, green lizard, for a real long leader, like a seven-foot leader. Oh, wow. That's a long leader. Yeah. Any particular reason you you threw that? It's always worked good for me there on Center Hill. I don't know what it is about that long leader. I just seem to get more bites. And once I get, if it gets under five foot, I don't get as many bites. I don't huh. know what the deal it is. And the weird thing about I caught four fish uh, on the Carolina rig while I was reeling it. I would be reeling it up to the boat. I would drag it about halfway to the boat, and then I would just start slow rolling it up off the bottom, and I caught four fish doing that. One of my biggest fish doing that. This time of year, and I don't know if it's, you know, they just start following it, and then all of a sudden when it takes off and then you start reeling it, they, they'll chase it. And then they'll, I saw three of them eat it at the boat, just watch them inhale it. So I thought that was really fascinating. I love every week talking to these guys and figuring out how they caught their fish. And I just thought that was cool that he was catching them in such a specific manner with that ultra long leader. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good idea as far as like even just getting the recordings of these guys as you're talking. And, you know, if you're, you hear something interesting or there's some compelling information, just bust out a little clip like that. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it takes longer, and it's not something we're necessarily going to do every single week, but I think we're going to try and work it in more going forward as we can sure. when we get the right clip. We should do that with all the tournaments, Rayovacs as well. I like that. Yeah, and I was going to do it for this Rayovac, but I went home last night and checked, and like an idiot, I had deleted the audio files. <laughs> I needed, obviously, to think about that a little more beforehand. You didn't even talk to Jonathan Henry, did you? No, I just made it all up. That's, yeah. That's, I just guessed. That's why the Bass fan story was different. Yeah, and but the same bait, too, right? That was a thing. I had guessed yeah. the little random small well, Scottsboro tackle. That's your skill. You Well, you know, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think guessing that it was on a bridge was a skill. Anyhow, uh, next BFL up, the oki division on fort gibson nick kincaid caught 20 pounds 11 ounces brought home the w congratulations nick he was flipping laydowns with a pit boss mississippi division on ross barnett larry rochelle rochelle something like that rochelle i like that 
I just don't know if I can pronounce it with that much accent. <laughs> he caught 17 pounds, zero ounces, throwing a spinnerbait on the edge of grass and a lizard in grass, fishing up the river, picked up the win. Good deal. Um, Piedmont Division on Kerr. Scott Hamrick. Caught- Wait, did you say Piedmont? Piedmont, Piedmont. I think it's Piedmont. I think it's Piedmont? Yeah. Okay, now what about like the Pied Piper? Yeah, that's the Pied Piper. How's that spelled? Same way. As Piedmont is? Yeah. All right. However, <laughs> I'm it's just, Piedmont. I, I, well, I, I'm not... Sure, whatever. <laughs> we'll go with it. So, Piedmont okay. Division. Who won, who won there? Uh, Scott mm. Hamrick won. He caught 18 pounds, 6 ounces. Where were they fishing at? Kerr. Okay, Lake Kerr. Yeah. Or some people call it Car, or like... Now, they, there are some weird pronunciations of that lake. That lake confuses the heck out of me. That and Gaston and Bugs Island, all those little border lakes. Anyhow, he caught 18 pounds, 6 ounces, and he was not flipping bushes. Pretty much the whole field was flipping bushes. Now is the time of year where you're supposed to flip bushes. But he was uh, fishing some rocks, fishing some little bluffs and some docks, and caught him hmm. up. Do you think that was his strategy going in, or do you think he just didn't know what was going on and it worked out for him? Oh, he told me as much that it was his strategy going in. Ah, okay. He, he knew what to do. He actually fished a tournament the weekend before. I think he said he topped 20 or something like that. He did well, not crazy well. Also fishing out, not fishing in the bushes. There you go. So, Sometimes you got to do something different. Yeah, his strategy was definitely to stay away from the crowd, which obviously worked to the tune of, you know, however many thousand dollars. And then the South Carolina Division on Clarks Hill. Norm Attaway caught 20 pounds, 12 ounces. Attaway, is... Norm! Yes. <laughs> I I wanted that to be the headline. I wanted, I I knew it, because like, I always hear like, Attaboy, you know? I just, I wanted to find a way to work that in. So I'm glad <laughs> you said that. Um, he caught 20, 12, and dude, he crushed them. He obviously knew the lake. He didn't practice. He just knew to go out and he was fishing like little humps and little points that didn't that you couldn't tell based on the bank like it would be a straight bank but there would be a hump or a point on it and he was fishing those sort of you know slightly secretive spots um throwing a spook. slightly secretive yeah he was throwing a spook and he he said he had like four times where or well two or three or four times i don't know he was probably exaggerating a bit but he caught a number of doubles and he actually had his, he actually lost like a six pounder because a three pounder came and while he was reeling it in, grabbed the bait out of the fish's mouth and wow. the six pounder pulled off. So he had a really wild day and just crushed him. It, sounds, was, it was really cool. Sounds sweet. And that's all the BFLs. All right. And we're going to have more BFLs this weekend. Yeah. How many this weekend? <laughs> just four. Four. Okay. Also a couple, uh more events as well a railvac and a college fishing event yes sir i will preview the uh, railvac on the james river i spoke to david dudley last week who let me know that uh the spawn is going to be in full swing jody kind of filled me in dudley didn't mention this but you you said that a lot of guys will make the run down the chickahominy river right yeah a lot of guys are going to run down to the chick because the chick fishes a lot more like the potomac than the james river does the chick is sort of a major creek that comes off the James, and it's it's tidal, just like the James is, but it's got some sort of muddier water and more grass and a lot of cypress trees and pads and stuff like that, and it's 
it's really good fishing this time of year from what I, from everything I've ever heard. It, this is the time to be fishing it. So we could see some really good weights for the James because the James is traditionally kind of a stingy fishery. But we sure. could see this is the time to be fishing it for sure. Well, Dudley says that he thinks most of the anglers are going to be fishing in uh, the spawning areas around lily pads, the lily pad stems, and the tulies, and coming out of three feet of water or less. Those guys are going to be using chatterbaits, flipping soft plastics, and throwing senko worms. And that he thinks the winner will take uh, right around 46 pounds. Three-day total. Do you agree? Uh, I agree with all his techniques. I, I'm i always optimistic about winning weights, so I think it might take a little bit more than that. You're going over. I'm going to say 50. 50? I'm okay. going to say 50. Now, it probably won't because I'm usually wrong about that, but I'm going to say 50. <laughs> uh, just because I like the time of year. That said... I don't know if you checked out the weather or not, but they are getting dumped on right now. They are getting a ton of rain. So that obviously, maybe we should even lower Dudley's weight prediction. You know, maybe it's that sort of situation where it's going to throw a huge wrench in the works. He says that 28 and a half pounds will make the top 10 cut to fish that final day on Saturday. I think that's that's reasonable. All right, that being said, are you ready for uh, Rumble event number eight? Well, I, I guess so. I'm as ready as I'm going to be for this one, okay. for sure. Do you have a coin? I do. I, I remembered a coin. Okay, perfect. This is an Arizona state quarter from 2003. It's the Grand Canyon State. Uh, you ready to call it? Yes. Calling tails. Oh, sorry. Never fails. Heads. Yeah, right. If you, want. <laughs> you want me to do it again? No. I haven't touched it. No, that's fine. All right. It's going to work out for me anyways, I think. I think either, well, I, yeah, honestly, I didn't. I don't really care which of these, whether I had first or second pick either. Yeah, so, the first two names are kind of no-brainer. Almost no-brainer. We'll yeah. see. You have pick one. You are going to take? I'm going to take Adrian Avina. All right. That's who I assumed you would take. Yeah, and I... I'm conflicted. Like, I want to take Lefebvre with my number one mm-hmm. pick, too. I, unfortunately, I can't. Lefebvre did catch a really big one in practice, though. Did so. he? Well, Lefebvre will be my number one pick. I was going to take him number one overall, even if I won the coin flip. So that's when I said I think it's going to work out for me. Uh, there you Dave's go. Dave's had a tough year on the tour so far. He's much better than he has been fishing. I expect him to uh, break out any time now. This event could be it. I agree. I think this is a really good event for him. It's going to, you know, shallow. He can flip wood. He can do... He is really good at every technique required for this. Definitely. He fishes great up north, and this does fish more northern, more rivery mm-hmm. than a lot of our southern-type lakes. So I agree. I think this is a... I think it sets up really well for him. Cool. I think it sets up really well for Avina, too. He has... Agreed. He has a lot yeah, of experience. Yeah, we kind of just brushed over Avina. He has a lot of experience on places like this. He had a top 10 at the Bassmaster Open on the James last year, the one Randy Howell won. Um, and he's just, he's really good on like this, the Delaware, the Potomac. He's mm-hmm. a threat. So I think both of those guys really couldn't go wrong. All right. Who is your number two pick? Here's where it gets tough. Yeah. Like we said, the first two names were easy. Yeah. Now I, you're. A lot of uh, listeners are going to be going, who? I almost wanted, I almost would have rather you take this number two pick just so I could see what you were going to do with your second pick. As a, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take my man. 
I'm going to take Charlie Maycheck, Virginia Tech bass fishing team co-founder, all-around awesome dude. So, Charlie Maycheck so, it is. All right. You picked him just because he founded the Virginia Tech bass fishing team? Well, he lives down there. He's a really nice guy. Um, he caught a real big one in practice. So, who knows? He's right. due. He's he's fished this stuff a lot. He's uh, fished the James does, a bunch. I say, does he have, like, rayoback experience and stuff? Or Oh, yeah. he's okay. He's got rayoback experience. He's got you know, some other sort of mid-level type experience. He's He hasn't done really great in a lot of them. He's had some good days and then done not well the other day and vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, okay. He had some boat troubles at a Champlain rayback once, or, well, it was Everstart back then, which he would have had a good finish if he hadn't had those. So, okay. you know, he's he's a solid fisherman, and I think he could do well in this one. Fair enough. And I like him. <laughs> My second pick is going to be Chris Johnston. From Ontario, Canada. He, the last five years, he's been top five AOI in that Northern Division Railback uh, three times. Uh, he's got seven top ten finishes in just since 2009, so just five years. Um, he's a younger guy. I'm going with him. All righty. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that you dug deep because I never would not, would not have picked him. Wait till you hear my next name. But okay. Oh, okay. What's your next? What's your uh, last pick? So, I think because I, I started on the route of doing this, I'm going to keep doing this, and I'm going to go ahead and pick Ryan Ingalls. He's okay. just an awesome guy. I fished in college with him a bunch. <laughs> um, I think this is a great strategy you're going with. I'm loving this. I love this strategy too because you know what? <laughs> Either I'm sad. Because I would have been sad anyway because these guys didn't do well. Or I'm super happy because they did well. There's Fair no enough. downside to this strategy. And you know what? I'm going to beat you on the water anyhow. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pick Ryan Ingalls. And, okay. you know, he lives in that neck of the woods. He fishes the Potomac a ton. This is in his this type of tournament's in his wheelhouse. All right. My last pick is going to be Richard Owen. You're going to say, who's Richard Owen? Yeah, who is Richard Owen? Well, this is actually his first ever Rayovac event. He's uh, been fishing BFLs for a long time. Just he's, Owen, O-W-E-N? Yep, yep. Okay. He's got uh, over 80 BFL uh, tournaments under his belt. So That's he's been fishing BFLs. for quite a few years. He's got quite a few top 10s in BFL competition, including four on the James River. So uh, I'm thinking his Rayovac debut, he's had some success on the James River in the past. He's going to bring it home. I'm going with Richard Owen. All right, I like it. I love it. One guy who I think who I maybe shouldn't have left off, is Joseph Wood. Um, he was last year's AOI for the Northern Division. And, gosh, last year he never had a bad tournament. And I think he could very well do well here, even though he is from Massachusetts. And I don't know why he would particularly do well, but my, he's worth a mention. My mention pick would be Micah Frazier. Uh, he, he would have been my – Yeah. I struggled between him and Richard Owen. Excuse me. Micah, uh, obviously an FLW Tour pro. He's coming He's off really a sixth-place finish at Beaver Lake. Uh, he finished fifth on the Potomac in a railback a few years back. So he's fished this northern division of the railback series uh, for a few years, and uh, he would have been my pick had uh, you taken one of my guys. So Yeah, so I, I agree. I think that's a good one to mention too because, uh, yeah, he deserves a mention. And, you know, we could do – we could bu- – this this will be an interesting event to see who does well in. I think yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I swear to God, if you win with this, they're a good guy strategy. I'm gonna be so upset. 
Well, you know what, Joe? There's no downside, like I said. Either I win and they're good guys, or they don't do thing well. The thing is, they're all good anyway. guys. There are no bad guys in fishing. Come on. Well, yeah, but I know these guys, so <laughs> they're better. So they're really good guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also going up. down this weekend in that neck of the woods is a college fishing event on Smith Mountain Lake. Joey, yeah. what do you know about Smith Mountain Lake? Oh, man, I love Smith Mountain Lake. It's so hard, but I love it. What do you mean it's hard? I don't know. It's just hard to... It's it's hard for me in tournaments. It's always... Okay. It, but it's a fun lake. I love it. Um, yeah, these guys, they should catch a lot of fish off beds. They'll probably catch some pre-spawn fish on swim baits. Should be really good fishing, especially if they get decent weather. Yeah, as I kind of mentioned last week, uh, Dudley uh, said they're going to be lying on the beds everywhere. This is uh, Dudley's home lake, so he was thrilled to talk to me about this one, whereas uh, a little more tough on the James River, which is where he won his cup, which was kind of surprising to me. Well, yeah, but, but it's not like you go down to the James every other weekend to go fish it, you know? Sure. Well, he said that uh, his advice to college guys fishing this event would be to bring your polarized sunglasses Burn your trolling up until you find that winning stringer. He said the teams are going to be seeing 50 to 75 fish on the bed every day and that uh, jigs and shaky head rigs are going to be the main deal. Yeah, well, I think they should be throwing a Jika rig, but that's just me. A Jika rig? Yeah. Wasn't, didn't Peter T. call it a PD rig or something? Wasn't there an article about that? Well, there was a video about that. Um, they are two totally different things, though. Oh, okay. I thought it was the same thing. Nope. Okay. Well, Dudley says in the one-day tournament that he thinks the side fishing is going to be the key. It's, he says the winning team will be doing that. I agree. And he thinks that uh, 18 pounds is going to win the event. Well, I think it's going to take more than 18 pounds to win. I think the team of Justin Witten and Will Bowling from Radford University are going to win. I think they're wow, going to catch... Wow, you're calling out a winner. Justin Wrexham. I was going to ask you, like, if there were place. any, uh, you know, notable teams fishing this one. But, okay, so say this one. No, there are, some, there are some notable teams. But Radford University, Justin Witten, Will Bowling. Justin just catches fish there all the time. Hmm. I have no idea how he's still eligible because hmm. he's way older than me, I think. Um, <laughs> but he's on the list, so I'm assuming he's fishing it. Lots of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, I guess so. Anyhow, he... Um, he catches them there all the time, and I think he'll catch over 20 pounds. I really do. It's, I'm sure it's the right he's, time of year. he's perfectly eligible. And uh, if you say he's a favorite, he's definitely uh, one to watch, watch out for. But, yeah, there's some other... other teams. I see Virginia Tech's got four teams in this event. Yeah, and I think they're actually trying to get in a fifth. So I don't know how, I don't know if they'll get in a fifth, but certainly hmm. might. Um, Ricky Jeez, Cass... let some other teams fish. Come on. Well, you know, it's the Northern Division. There's only so many schools, and some, got, some schools are probably waiting for the, some of the more northern tournaments. Sure. Um, I was kidding, by the way. Yeah. Anyhow, as far as like the Virginia Tech teams, none of them really stick out to me and say these are a favorite to win the event. Um, Ricky Kassebaum and Trey Stewartson. Um, Trey's actually right, right from around there. Ricky fished in the national championship this year. Those guys could certainly do well. Um, Ramapo has two teams fishing it. And the two Zapf brothers are split up. But I think either Zapf team could sure. do well because those guys have proven they can catch fish all over the place. Definitely. And then they were at the national championship last year. Yep. And then I think the other, they actually won on Smith Mountain like last year. Oh. Uh, they won that event. 
Um, well, in that case, that's my pick. Well, which one of them? Because they, they want it fishing Joseph, together. of course. Okay. Great name. Yeah, that's a fairly good name, I guess. Uh, and then the other, the other team I wanted to mention was the Shippensburg University. Kevin Holish, Holak, and Hunter Chamberlain. They won Champlain and Potomac last year. I could certainly see them doing well in this because I think they're good fishermen. Well, there you go. There's some teams to watch out for. Yeah. Of course, you can follow it all uh, all weekend long at flwoutdoors.com and the weigh-ins live on Saturday at flwlive.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Love me some Kevin Hunt. Yeah. Um, what's, what's next? Do we have anything else? Uh, that's all I have on my list. You got anything else you want to talk about? Uh, honestly, I really don't. I, I, I feel like we uh, covered everything pretty well this Closing week. Closing in on that hour mark, so. Good deal. All right. Well, where can you follow FLW Fishing, Jody? You can follow FLW on Instagram, on Pinterest, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Anything else? Google Plus. It's coming. Plus. All right. We still We're haven't not done there anything yet. there. Yeah. Um, but it's coming. So get in on that. Check out Circuit Breaker episode two. It's really good. Great episode. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. It was a great week, and we'll be back next week.